You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. My mic on. Oh, look at that. I forgot to turn the mic on. We were jamming in the background and just did not do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. Oh, look at that. I got I got audios going everywhere. Check it out. We have all kinds of feeds here in the studio. And as you can see, I kind of look whited out because we got brand new lights in here. So I've got everything running to make sure that we're doing okay. I want to welcome you to tonight's show. Um, again, my name is Paul Abernathy. And I want to welcome you to Electrician Live. We come to you every week on Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We talk about all kinds of topics and you can call in during certain times of the show. As you see the number scrolling across the top of the screen. Also, you can use Skype if you want to as well to call into the show. If there's a topic that you want to talk about. What's up, Benjamin? Thanks for coming to the uh, to show tonight. Interesting topics tonight. Um, for those that are following over on our podcast. Again, a lot of times I, I talk about things and I reference things uh, in... They might be on the screen for those that are using the video uh, option. So again, at all times, you can always watch on Electrician Live, the website. You can watch there as well. You can call in. Or if you want to chat with us, then you want to go over to the YouTube channel and you see the, the actual address right up here in the top left of the screen. You can join us, chime in, uh, add your comments, and uh, can call in if you want. If you want to call in using Skype, then it's just simply the ticker master the NEC. Got to have Skype to do it. Uh, but we have a phone number that's also set up for when we have a call-in segment of the show. Uh, so, um, and I'll tell you when that takes place. So, a couple things first. I want to let everybody know that the, the stickers are in, as you can see. Uh, unknown one. That's a little early in the show to be talking about TikTok right now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I haven't had any beer, and I haven't any wine, and I'm, I'm just not into the TikTok right now. We'll talk about that in a minute. So anyway, all of the stickers are in, and so they should be going out to you very shortly. So that's good news for all of those. And if you want to know how to get your stickers, uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. All right? So hopefully, by now, you've told all your electrician friends, you're spreading it around on the job site, you're letting them all know that there's this neat show that's going to talk electrical stuff. Uh, and make sure that you send in your topics, because whatever you want us to have a show about, it's up to you for what we want on the show. Now, of course, as we get further into this, the topics will change, the guests will come, and, and I might get into some deep stuff about the trade and things like that. Or, you know, are we just going to have a, a lighthearted time chatting? I'm enjoying the time that we spend together on this show, so... But again, that doesn't stop our videos. Most of you might know if you went over to our YouTube channel. Uh, no, not YouTube. Facebook, you saw that we posted an image the other day, and I wanted to solicit comments. Of course, you know I don't post anything without an ulterior motive. And so I wanted a lot of people to chime in, and you did. I thank you. It was over, God, I don't know what the posts were or the views were really, really good for a forum that's kind of like people aren't really, really, really active. Uh, but we want to engage you and get you more active. So if you're listening for the first time, and I want to make sure you subscribe, and if you subscribe, you'll see a little dude jump up on the screen. If you've never subscribed before, uh, let everybody know you subscribed. Uh, if you like what you see and you want to donate, there's a donate bar down there that you can donate. That helps pay for some of the postage shipping that this goes out to. 
if you want to do that, if that's there. I don't even know if it's there anymore, um, regardless. Um, also, just to let you know, if you want any of these stickers in the larger format for your toolboxes or whatnot, they are available over on electricianpride.com or electricianlive.com. You'll see the store. We got mugs, shirts, like this shirt here. Where is it? Oh, right here. See that shirt? We got all that good stuff everywhere. So that's it for the solicitation part of the show. So just want to thank you all for coming, and we'll get into tonight's topics. So the uh, let's see if we're real quick. For those that are in the podcast, from time to time, I refer to people that are actually on our YouTube channel, which you can too. Come on over to our YouTube and uh, listen to it. If you're listening to the after show or the rebroadcast of it, then it's just the podcast. So I will try to paint you a visual picture and read what our guests say and try to answer that as we move through it. Uh, But we do have set topics that we want to achieve first, and then we'll have kind of the open discussion that we can talk about. Okay. Thank you all all for coming uh, and joining in. Uh, So let's kind of let's kind of get into to some of some of the topics here tonight. So the very first topic that uh, we wanted to talk about is jack legs or what some people refer to as hacks. Oh, and I should say, if it looks like the camera makes it look like I'm wearing lipstick, I can promise you that I am not wearing lipstick, okay? I can promise you that's not what's going on. I am not wearing lipstick. It's just the cameras and the lights. And this isn't as orange as it looks like it, but I got a new camera coming, believe it or not, so it'll give me two full cameras for two different angles and a lot of stuff we want to do. Uh, and then when I have guests that'll come in the studio, we'll have a camera on them. So anyway, but I promise you, I don't wear lipstick, despite what my haters might say. Because <laughs> they're out there, buddy. All right, so there's your stickers. Okay, enough of that. All right, so let's get into the topic. Today's topic was, and feel free to chime in on the topic, and we'll discuss it. Okay. Um, thank you for that donation there, uh, Kitsoya. Appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. Comes up on the screen. You see the little guy dancing. Thank you for your donation. That helps pay for the postage for everybody to get these stickers. Okay. I didn't know that was still there, but I appreciate every one of you that does. All right. So jack legs. Hacks. That's a term people use. Hacks. Um, there's a distinctive difference. And I'm sure you, you, you don't want to be labeled a hack. Nobody wants to be labeled a hack. Um, my believer is, uh, last show we did, somebody said, what do I think makes a and I will get all the comments here. I will scroll up and get them all, trust me, so don't worry about it. They're still there. I will get them in that part of the show. Uh, but people ask me, what's the difference between a hack and a jack leg and somebody that's just incompetent or ignorant? All those terms can be thrown around. When I refer to a jack leg, uh, that is somebody that literally doesn't follow any rhyme or reason to why they're doing an installation. They could care less about whether it's safe or not. They don't really care. They're out the dollar. They want to get the dollar, and they do it, and that's it. And they'll do it, and they'll, they'll, they'll cut every corner known to man okay, or woman and literally just put it in because they want to get in and get out. That's it. That's a jack leg. That's somebody that should not be in the trade. They have no pride in what they do. Okay, now, a hack. A hack is somebody that kind of knows better, that should know better, but because of their, they either don't care for who they work for or they work for somebody and they feel they're not treated right or whatever it runs into, then they turn around and simply do crap work. 
So there's a jack leg who might not even have a license, but a hack tends to have maybe have a license, but they don't really care. Okay, so I, to me, they're pretty much synonymous. I see a lot of installations now. Something that's that's occurred to me is there's people out there that might be just incompetent, and they're not labeled as a jack leg or they're not labeled as a hack. They just don't know any better. Um, so they will get into an application where they'll just do something and they don't know that they're not doing it right. And so they come across the under, honestly, they really just don't know. And you have to feel sorry for those because you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have to teach you something because you're, you're, you really don't know. It's not like, you know, and you're a hack or, you know, and you're, or Jack leg really don't care either or. So you just do it anyway. So I've seen people, what I like to say, MacGyver, all kinds of applications because they really just don't care at all. Okay, so they fall into the hack and, and they fall into the jack legs. And so there's electrical contractors who pass an exam. They go out and do work. Um, and depending on the state you're in, they hire certain people and they take zero pride in what they do. They just slap it in. They just don't care. They can fall in the jack legs. If they're a licensed, then they're a hack. Um, and they really just don't give a darn about what it is they're doing at all. They, they just don't care. Um, that's painful to me to watch because I take so much pride in the electrical industry that I think you should do everything that you need, that you should do to make it right. Always doing the right thing means a lot to me. You know, that type of thing. So, again, everybody's got their different concepts of hacks or jack legs, but um, I'll give you an example. The other day I went on a call, and you might have heard me talk about it. I use this as an example to give you my interpretation of what this was. In many states, the low voltage applications don't have to be licensed. It's the, the voltages when they're when it's over 50 volts, depending on what state you're in or, or whatever it is. Uh, one state, it's 90 volts and whatever it is. And when they get into where they're dealing with the application and you, your or licensing is required. Um, but I went to a job the other day that uh, there was the entryway into a subdivision and the lighting wasn't working. And, uh, you know, they say all of a sudden it stopped working. In my mind, I'm thinking it was the landscapers done cut something. It was low voltage, although it was a transformer there. It was a 14-volt secondary side AC. So it wasn't AC to DC. It was an AC to AC, but it dropped it down to uh, 14 volts. And so I thought maybe the landscapers cut it and whatnot. So I went around, and, and, and it was going to cost them time for me to troubleshoot it. It just wasn't working. So they said, hey, we know we called the electrician that installed it. And he used that term loosely. And he said, he said uh, he doesn't have the time to come fix it because he's so busy. Um, but, you know, he's more than happy to answer a question if anybody has a question. about. It. So I said, OK, um, it was a weird layout. And it was looked like when I started looking at the wires, there was dead ends. And I knew there was a tap somewhere. And so I said, let's call the guy. I said, you saved me time. Uh, because it goes across the road and there's multiple expansion joints and all of them were filled with the, 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 the tar material. So we called the guy up and he literally was saying stuff and he didn't know where it went. He didn't know anything. He didn't remember any of it. Uh, but just weeks before that, he had great conversations with the HOA about the intersection. And he ended up telling me because they didn't pay 
their annual fee to maintain the system that he wouldn't really really wasn't going to help anybody. He didn't really care. He didn't care that it didn't work because they weren't calling him back. Well, they did call him, and he was too busy. Um, so anyway, when I got into it, I said, fine, dude. You know, I'll find it myself. Don't worry about it. So I ended up tracking it down and come to find out, and this is probably pretty common, uh, that where he did use a low-voltage cable, he used standard wire-binding devices, or I should say lock nuts. He used standard lock nuts, and they weren't filled with any silicone anyway. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But it was just standard lock nuts, and they threw them in the ground. And, of course, moisture got in them and corroded the copper like crazy. Um, and so, first of all, a standard wire nut, a wire binding device, because a wire nut is a trademark of ideal, um, is not designed for direct bury. So that's one problem, right? Um, the other application is they were just done in the ground, not done with, with uh, uh, any of the wire nuts that are in those tubes, 3M tubes that have the silicone or material in it that can seal them. That wasn't done. Um, it was just regular wire nuts. Uh, stuck in the earth, and it corroded. And they were stuck in the most obscure location that we really had had to track these things down in order to find it. Then as it went across the road, they stuck it in the groove that they increased the depth with obviously a circular saw with a, with a masonry cutting blade. But they didn't put it down far enough, so part of it was still sticking up so vehicles were, could run over it. And when I got to the other side, so anyway, I'm troubleshooting all this, and I'm noticing another splice on the other side of the road, and I found that, and that was wire nuts, and it also had corroded out. So the whole thing just wasn't working. And when you ask the owners when did it last work and all, they had no clue. They didn't really don't, so you're troubleshooting. So that's the first part of the story. To me, the question is, did he have a license or not? Is he a jackleg or is he a hack? Um, and so come to find out he has a license. So I categorize that as a, as a hack, Okay. Um, he already has a license. If it was some guy that doesn't have a license but's doing it, or maybe he's a low-voltage guy that's not required to have a license per the state, and he's doing that work, then, you know, for me, uh, he's using products that fall under the electrical industry in an improper way, so he's a jackleg. That, that's kind of my scenario. So that's not the end of the story. So then I went to look at the lights that shine up on the screen, up on the entryway, and... When I started digging around and finding out these light, these luminaires and where they were at, um, noticed that he used NMB to connect these underground. And no, it wasn't 120 volt AC. It was the same scenario. They were 14 uh, volt AC luminaires. And all he had was NMB. Now, some people argue and will say, well, NMB, it's got the solid conductors. It'll last. Um, it probably will outlast me and you, but the reality is that's not the proper way to use it, and NMB can't be used underground anyway. Um, so typically the conductors that are in it are going to be either TW or THH, THHN equivalent. Um, in fact, most manufacturers that make the NMB, we don't evaluate it for the wet location anyway, so we might not put some of the same protection properties in it that we would with a THHN, THW in dash 2 because we don't have to. Uh, but typically, it's to be equivalent with THHN or a TW when you're making non-metallic sheath cable, cable under UL719. Anyway, too much information. Too cozy for Saturday night. Anyway, that was all screwed up as well. And the other thing is this the small stranded wire with that solid wire, when they twist it together, it has a tendency to suck up into the wire nut because of the two different sizes. And they just wrapped it around the solid conductor. I'm sure you've seen it. 
So anyway, as the wire nut went down on it, it pulled all the conductors and eventually it pulled it away. And then moisture got in it. It corroded. And that's why those weren't working. Uh, altogether, the guy just did some really crappy work. And even though it was supposed to be low voltage, I use that as an example. Now, when I go in to see things as an electrical inspector for years, as a supervisor, uh, I see all kinds of crap, people doing stuff. Um, so let me give you another example. What do you think I call you if I go to a one-family one dwelling and you're running non-metallic sheath cable and you run it up over in the attic over top of the, you're in the bedroom and you run it up over top of the ceiling uh, joist? And you don't secure it down. Now, it's supported because it's running on the joist. But it has to be secured every four and a half feet. Now, I routinely, as an inspector, used to go to job sites with a, a stick. You know, and it wasn't to beat the electrician. It was there so that I can push up on wires. Okay? So, again, the code is the code. It's required to be secured and supported every four and a half feet for a non-metallic sheet cable. If you didn't secure it, then I was going to turn you down. Or you could run up it real quick and put some staples in it or whatnot and, and do it that way. Okay, so to me, that's not a hack. That is not a jack leg. That was incompetence. Now, he knew he probably had to have those supports and secure, and he knows 334.30 of the National Electrical Code. He chose for time to not do it. And so to me, you know, you have to determine whether or not it's, it, again, incompetence or ignorance, okay? I don't think it's ignorance because he knew. I think it's incompetence. Uh, I mean, whatever I said earlier, I don't know. But anyway, that's the kind of thing that I don't call Jack Leg. I don't call hack. You might call it differently. So with that said, let's see if we have any comments uh, here. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'll read the comments so that you can kind of get the flavor. Uh, of course, you guys that are listening on the podcast, you can always go and watch the rebroadcast of this episode. So if you can see, because all of the comments will be posted on the screen uh, and you can follow along. Uh, let me see if I can catch up for a second on some of the comments that we have. Uh, again, okay, unknown one. What are your thoughts on the millennials new TikTok challenge? Um, oh, that outlet challenge. That's stupid. But all of that millennial crap is stupid to me. I mean, it's like eating the Tide Pods. What's t- stupid? All right, anyway, good evening, everybody. It's following along. Danny, thanks for coming in. Uh, okay, Danny said, Did I, I didn't see the image in the, in the watched your YouTube video on it from this morning. Uh, that was, you watched the audio broadcast from this morning. The video, Danny, is up there now where I talk about that image that's on our Facebook page. And I'll talk about that probably a little later in the open comment section. Okay, but it's up there now for you to watch. It's about an hour long. Uh, I tend to have a tendency not to be able to do anything less than an hour lately. Uh, Danny's definitely like the discussion on 366 and 376 for gutters and, and wireways and the wires in parallel. It was a good video. I posted up there. Uh, I posted it up uh, in order to... Well, Danny, you might have the way it sounded. You didn't watch the video. It sounded like you did. It says I didn't see the image, so it sounded like you did the audio portion. But just a little while ago, I uploaded a video. So there's there is two of them up there, just in case. All right. So I know the the image was on the video. Okay. Now you might not be seeing it over in the Facebook page because I think you submitted to the Facebook page, but I rejected you because you didn't answer the questions. You have to answer the questions to get into our Facebook page. Even if I know who you are, if you don't accept all the terms, I won't let you in. Okay? But that's the only thing that you got to do. 
All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? 12 Mandingos. It says, I think the worst are the guys that know better and still hack it to get it done quicker. Yes. So what do you think? Is that a hack or a jack leg? I like to think jack legs are guys that does work that don't even have a license, so they probably shouldn't be doing it anyway, so they're jack legs. They're, they're, they're acting like an electrician. They're masquerading as an electrician. Y'all know I take a lot of damn pride as an electrician. It means a lot to me. It should mean a lot to you. Okay, When I see a doctor, I don't look at them any different because that doctor could also leave a scalpel in your body. Okay, So, again, we don't know whether, you know, so that didn't, that, that type of thing. All right? Uh, Danny, it's right there. I got over 1,100, 1,200 members that are in that forum. There's a little thing there that says you got to accept those terms. Sorry, it, yours is no different than everybody else's, and everybody accepts those terms, okay? Um, so anyway, I take it as a lot of pride with the, as an electrician. But don't worry, Danny, you can go reapply. I'll let you in. But you got to check the little checkbox that says you comply. All right, so um, again, there's, you, know, you could be an electrician. You could be the worst. You could be the best. Same as a doctor. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're first in your class, you're last in your class. Okay, it's what we do with it afterwards, okay, is what means the most, okay? But that's, that's a good example of what I would call electrician that just does crap. That's a hack. If you're not licensed and you're trying to do something you really shouldn't do, you're a jack leg. That's, that's my opinion. All right, um, if you just do something that's outside of your realm or your scope, like you try to do PV work and you're not a PV guy, then you're doing something because you're, 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 you're incompetent. If you know better and you do it, then you're just ignorant. <laughs> Using a lot of daggone terms tonight. Ooh, okay, anyway, thank y'all all for coming. Wow, good turnout tonight. Bring your questions. Let's see here. Remember, we're going to try to stick on topic, and I'm going to keep looking at the timer here to make sure we're on topic. Uh, what's the next thing we got is Troy. Welcome to the show. Electrical work is to delegate to Slack. Maybe they need a different career. Absolutely. If you can't do it the best... Or you can't do it with all the... Look, when I go to the... I don't care if I have a bad day. I don't like my boss. You can always quit your job. You can go to work for somebody else. Man, they're hiring electricians all over the place. Uh, I remember, like I said, I've been to jobs where the guys, electricians, are bad-mouthing the company they work for. And I'm like, you better not do it on one of my jobs, and you shouldn't do it. Keep it to yourself. Because you have the option to quit. Now, there's an episode I did a couple weeks ago that says quit or get fired. Um, I believe you should quit, but don't quit unless you have something else lined up. Just go and do your job. You know what I'm saying? Take pride in it. You know, if you're worried because you're not getting enough money, maybe you're not carrying yourself or, or, or maybe you're doing stuff that the owner or whatever's looking at it going, yeah, I'm not going to invest in that person. I don't know. I don't know. Don't, don't thumbs down me. I'm just, I'm just giving you some thoughts there. But you're right, Troy. If you're going to slack off, somebody gets hurt, you need to get out. Go something, do something, where, something else. Uh, Danny, is, uh, Danny says... I had a journeyman that used to complain that I wasn't listening because I would try to follow the code on securing NMB. Yeah, so you're going to get, here's another thing. I'm going to tell you all something real important. Never take what somebody, and I tell this to people all the time, never take what somebody tells you as gospel. Always verify. Even if it's a trusted source, and I'd like to thank to y'all that I'm a trusted source, Go look it up yourself. Be sure. Don't take what somebody tells you otherwise. You need to, to, to look it up and, and make sure that you feel comfortable with something. Okay? And that's important. So, again, stay dedicated to the trade to do that. Um, 
Augusto, what do you say here? Can we call an electrician to a person who can we call an electrician to a person who doesn't know code? What will be that person to you? Okay, so I'm guess you're saying uh, Augusto, I guess you're saying is um, okay, first things first. I don't call a, a helper or an apprentice an electrician. That's just me. I don't think they've earned that skill yet. They're in a study. I'll give you an example. Example. If you're not into masonry, you won't get it. A mason. Okay? You have an apprentice or entered apprentice. You have, uh, you have a fellow craft. And you have a master. I like to, whether you're, a, whether you're a, a masonic or not, I like to equate that mentality. An entered apprentice is learning. A fellow craft is practicing. And a master is mastering the craft. And we're doing this every day in the electrical trade. Apprentices and helpers are learning, trying to absorb that knowledge. So they're not ignorant. You're not going to know everything. You're not. And it's okay to be ignorant. That's not a negative thing to be ignorant. Incompetent might be, but ignorant isn't because we can be ignorant of a lot of things. That's why we have to thirst for knowledge. So we're not ignorant of certain things. I don't mean that to be a degrading term from that standpoint. Um, I just, again, there's a lot of things. Don't reach out of your comfort zone and be ignorant about it. You want to, you know, intentionally be ignorant, learn about it, and you will become more knowledgeable on it, okay? Now, incompetency is a different thing. Trying to do something that you're not trained to do, you don't know how to do, and you're just doing it, you're going to hurt somebody, okay? That's a different thing. So I use all those terms loosely, but you use them how you want to use them, uh, but that's uh, how I do it. Uh, let's see here. Caleb, funny, I just had this discussion with my foreman on Thursday about the staples. He is convinced it's every six feet the staples are supposed to be secured uh, into the TAT chin and, and was saying I was wasting staples. <laughs> well, maybe he's six, but maybe he's a commercial guy who was running uh, metal clad cable, which is every six feet, and he got confused. Okay. So maybe that's what it is. Uh, the best thing that I can tell you, Caleb, to do is you literally show them it in the code. Point it out. Say, look, non-metallic sheet cables secured and supported 12 inches from a box unless it's a two and a quarter by four box and then you want to uh, with no clamping, then you want to secure it within eight inches. Okay. But if it's a normal like two-gang box, three-gang box, things like that, you go up to 12 inches. Uh, or you secure it and support it every four and a half feet, okay? And that's 334.30. So just show it to them. And if they don't take it from them, that point in, what can you do? You know, you can't lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. But, you know, so anyway. So, yeah. So, yeah. And you know what, though, Caleb? Those arguments on site, if you do it constructively and not in a demeaning way, but having a conversation. I find it when I used to go out to the job site and talk to electricians and, and engineers, I talk to them. I don't talk down to them. I don't take them as I'm talking up to them. I, I, I'm having a one-on-one conversation. And I find that even with electrical inspectors, you got some that might have the chip on the shoulder. Um, you might have you know, some that, that, that their way or the highway. That's fine. But if I talk to you person to person, man to man, uh, respected person to respected person, then and, and, and I have to show you why I'm saying what I'm saying. And then here's the thing that most people don't do. Once you say, say what? Tell you what? Give me two minutes. Show it to them and then don't say anything. 
Say, you've read it, you see it, what do you think? And let them respond, and, let, and don't interrupt them, Just let them respond. Because the moment you respond back, becomes a tit for tat, and then that doesn't go anywhere but downhill. Okay, they like to have this confrontation. There's some people that just love it, and uh, I never did that. When I went to job sites and, I'm, and I'd have a conversation, I'd say, "Well, let me let me tell you something. Give me give me a few minutes and let me explain to you." And I explain it, and then I would shut up. I'd go, "What do you think?" And I'd listen to them. And sometimes what happens is that that element of silence, that element of attention, and that's what people want, right? When you're talking to them, you, they want your attention. So give it to them and let them prove you wrong, okay? But don't do it with your book closed, okay? Don't try to get an argument and you don't know what it is. How you like the stickers on the book? Check that out. Mafia, baby. Anyway, so be prepared in your argument. Make sure you're right. Phone a friend. You know, you can always call me, text me, whatever, and ask your opinion. You know, that type of thing. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go on. Um, Oh, I didn't see the option to join. Well, go check it out again, Danny. It'll be there. Um, and again, we're talking the face, Facebook thing, and that's the Master the NEC Exam Prep Forum. Um, let's see, Caleb. I I quit. I quite quit quite happily called him an <laughs> called him an idiot. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere, Caleb. What is that? You know, uh, something I, I take pleasure in considering he is older than me. I still have my job and, and he doesn't. Oh, would he lose his job because of that? Okay. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Danny states, for those that are following along on the podcast, Danny's supposed to question. He says, I have a helper that wants to take the lead over his journeyman. Um, you know what? There's an episode I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Danny, a week or two ago, whatever, it talks about leaders and followers. Um, and if you identify, if this helper is trying to take over the, the journeyman, we have to, you as the owner or you as the one in charge need to micromanage that. And I hate to say that because I hate being micromanaged. But you need to look at it and you need to say, is this apprentice or this helper try, have leadership qualities? Or is what's coming out of their mouth accurate? Because if it's not accurate and he's trying to take over, then you nip that, okay? You, you nip that, and you have this little talk with them about it. But if what's coming out of their mouth is viable, it's truthful, and you're able to listen to it and go, hmm, then what you have is a potential leader in the making. And I wouldn't want to squash that, that, that thing that you have with this person because this person could end up being amazing, right? And so I don't want to squash that because I'm always looking for leaders, Right? Um, and we need leaders and we need followers. So you have to cultivate that. Uh, but I definitely, you know, a helper does need to know their place. But, you know, there are some extremely knowledgeable helpers. And I know some helpers that have been helpers for 30 years and they have no desire to be an electrician. They, they find being a helper. They've maxed out on what they can make. They're happy. And they're very knowledgeable. So some of the stuff they have to share will actually be beneficial. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Caleb says you're the best. Thank you, Caleb. I appreciate it. Uh, Troy, soon as you leave a job, uh, soon as you leave a job, hacks and jackleds will blame you for their mistakes. Absolutely. There's always when the guy's gone, you're going to be the one they blame. They don't think about maybe there's a reason you left. Maybe you didn't want to work with the hacks and jacklegs anymore. Um, but remember, in my opinion, and that's Kevin. That's only what you missed is this discussion. Hopefully, you'll go back and watch the first part of this on the replay. 
uh, up to this point. So look at the timer and see where you're at, and you can catch up then. Uh, but we were talking about jack legs, uh, hacks, and, and, and incompetence, and ignorance, and how they all play together. Uh, but in that case, um, Troy, um, the jack legs probably don't work for the company. Those are probably hacks. They are licensed, or maybe are licensed, I would assume. And they wait till you leave, then they blame you because you're an easy target. You're not there to defend yourself. And that's going to be anywhere because that's easy human nature for people to want to blame other people for their ignorance, uh, their, their hacks, their, their whatever they do. It's easy to pass the buck. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Desmond, welcome. He says, is there a certain way you color code your NEC book? I will talk about that. I'll pick up on that maybe, Desmond, or remind me when we get to the open comment section because I want to kind of stick on topic tonight, uh, what we're talking about, uh, and that is we were talking about hacks and jacklegs, and I kind of think we might have beaten that into the, into the ground. Uh, let me see if there's a couple more. David Jones, what do you got? What do you think about people hiring apprentices to do a journeyman's work? Well, it depends on the state you're in, David, because uh, in most states, like, for example, uh, Virginia in, in uh Texas, whatever, you have to have uh, a certain amount of journeymen's or even a master on the job at all times. Again, there's certain ways people get around that. Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. When we say apprentice or helper, apprentices and helpers are a different level of knowledge. And I've had some helpers that I would not mind leaving on a job as long as I gave them a task. And that's the one thing that I learn a lot is in order to be an effective leader, uh, whether you're a journeyman or a master, uh, in order to be an effective leader on a job site, and I did a podcast on that and how I train my helpers. I encourage y'all to go listen to that. It's a great show. I did it in the road, in the car, but I gave you my scenario of what I do to my helpers back when I had them. And the concept is, if they've been working, if you can give somebody a task, and it shouldn't take you long to understand a task. And so I set up a task, and this is what I expect them to do today. So I will tell a helper, and I'm, I'm famous for this. Uh, well, I'm not famous for that, but in the realm of, of the people that I worked with, is I would say, okay, Johnny, you're going to do the bedroom. I need you to pull a 14-2 from there to there to there to there to there to that light up to the luminaire. A home run's coming in right there. When you get that done, you come and get me because I'm doing something else. All right? And he comes to me. I will walk over and say, okay, Great job, or you need to do this. And while I'm doing that, I'll, th- I'll say things like, now remember, when you bore these holes through these framing members, that I need to make sure that you're directly in the center. I want to make sure that you're not less than an inch and quarter from the edge of that board hole to the edge of that stud on either side. doesn't matter with the exterior wall. It doesn't matter. I need to make sure you're in the middle. And you know what, Johnny? Since you're my helper, I want to make sure that you drill those holes in a good line. So whether I've showed you how to use the extension on my Milwaukee and hold it at your knee, or I tell you what, I'll run in there and I'll have a stick and I'll have a certain marking on it and I'll go down with a Sharpie and I'll mark the line on each stud. You might say, well, God, it takes you ever for Paul. It doesn't. But that's what I do early on to teach my helpers. Now, down the road, I don't have to do that because my helpers understand what I want and I'm training them to be what I need them to be. And slowly, I'll determine whether or not they're a leader or a follower. And they'll get more responsibilities from that time. So there are some states that you cannot let the apprentice do the job. And so 
You really, David, have to look at the state you're dealing with. But I have had some apprentices which are really good. And as long as I give them a detailed task, a very specific task, then I'm okay with it. Okay? I don't know that I'd leave a helper on a job by himself all day. Uh, So if you're asking that, probably not. Okay? I would be against that. I need somebody with knowledge and experience on that job site. Uh, Estrada, I'm I'm a apprentice uh, since 1996 in Houston. Okay, so you've you've still uh, an apprentice. You've been one since 96. So again, you haven't had a desire to become a journeyman or become a master in Texas. Uh, masters, the only difference between a master and a journeyman. Now, I will tell you, in Texas, it's kind of unique. Master electricians in Texas have the same rights and abilities to to design high-rises as an electrical engineer. So they're looked at equivalently in the state of Texas. Okay, So that's a lot of weight on an electrician's shoulders. So that's why the test in Texas is, 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 can be kind of tough uh, because you still have that. Now, when engineers go through school, right, they really don't do the NEC. You know what I'm saying? They don't follow the NEC when they're in school. They don't really learn it. Now, today they're getting more classes on that. But in the past, when I went through my schooling, they didn't really have any National Electrical Code classes. I learned all that early on when I was, I told you before, 16, 17 years old, taking night classes while my other friends were out partying. I didn't, you know. Maybe that's the problem today. Maybe that's why people don't want to party with me. I just didn't know how to party. But at the end of the day, I was so dedicated, and I love this trade. You can call it whatever you want, corny. I don't care. I love it. If I did, I wouldn't do these things. And I wouldn't have podcasts and videos, and yeah, I'm certainly not getting rich off of it. You can promise that. I don't quit my day job. Trust me. But again, I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy helping you folks learn. Uh, if I can help you learn, and if I can learn something in the process, I love it. I want to learn too, you know. So anyway, uh, but keep at it, Estrada. Keep at it. And at the point you want to be a journeyman or you want to be a master, you call me up. I'll help you out any way I can. Okay. We have classes. We'll help you. Um. Let's see, Danny. Oh, Estrada, love your work. Thank you. Uh, And for those that are listening over on the podcast again, these are questions that are coming in on our video feed. One thing that's unique about our podcast that nobody else does, and I can tell you this, everybody else, a podcast is a recording that's played later. Um, We do what's called a video cast, and we do a podcast. So you can listen live to the video and watch it, And you can listen to the podcast live, all from electricianalive.com, which it's streaming right now. Or you can listen to the podcast from that website as well, if that's all you want to listen to. Or you can listen to it later. So it is unique. And I'm hopefully y'all like it because I don't know of anything else out there in the electrical industry that's doing this. So give me your topics. If you want me to do it on location site, I'll pack up this gear and I'll go somewhere. If you have a job and you're in Texas here close enough to me and you want me to come out to a web, to your job site and do a video in, in, in a one-on-one with you, get in touch with uh, Brittany. Just go to our contact page on Electrician Live and send us the information. If I got any guys that are within an hour of McKinney, Texas area, I'd love to do a show on your job site. I don't take videos on my job site because of my customer base. But if you get that kind of permission and we can go there, I'd be more than happy to do that with you. Uh, Let's see here. Danny, uh, he does have the potential, and I think it's great at some point. He does lack knowledge, and I try to inform and correct. That's good. He says, I don't want to shoot him down. I think he will make a good journeyman. Absolutely. Then you're doing the right thing, Danny. You're coddling him along. Uh, Personally, I would probably take the journeyman aside and have a discussion with him and say, hey, buddy, your helper, 
Her helper is a little overzealous. He's learning. Indulge him. Try to teach him. Don't get frustrated with him. The moment that you get frustrated, you come to me. Frustrated. Take it out on me. I'd much rather my guys, when I was on the job, rather than have them argue, I'd much rather them wait and, and, and gripe at me later. I'm, have, I'm an open book. People can argue with me. People can tell me their problems, right? Um, but it's much better than me having two of my guys arguing on a, web, on a job site and the owner comes up. Or they get into a knockdown, drag out fight because they have difference of opinion. I'm not paying you for that. I'm paying you to get the job done. And I'm paying you to do it right. I don't want you to be a hack. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to be that. Um, I, I don't want to say the incompetence part because you know that I'm only a phone call away. Paul is always your get out of jail card. You can call me for anything. So again, you have opportunities to do it right. Okay. But I encourage Danny, good job. Encourage them, nurture them. We need leaders. We need followers. We need the laborers. And we also need the people to lead those and they need to lead by example. Definitely. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, I also butcher names, so the people that are listening on the podcast, um, I, I might butcher some of these names, but it's uh, Kayan, C-A-Y-A-N, Ramirez, with your help, I passed the ICC Residential and Commercial Electrical Inspector exam. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you did it. I literally get hundreds and hundreds of emails, texts, uh, I even get letters in the mail that they send to me thinking that this is a life-changing thing for them. It, you know, to me, I'm, I've told many people getting my license was the, the second most greatest day. I mean, other than, you know, my marriage or my, my son, uh, it was the fact that I became an electrician. I can use that term. OK, um, it, it meant something to me. It might not mean the same to you. You might. Be, I listen to other shows and people and they and, and they, they they take the things for granted. I, I don't. I never have. I never have. Um, so anyway. Uh, but congratulations. Welcome to the world of uh, uh, your electrical inspector. That's awesome. Next, 404 says, what's the ICC uh, inspector exam? Okay, so 404, um, municipalities around the country, the electrical inspectors, um, a lot of times they don't have to be electricians. Um, many are. Uh, but when they get hired on by a municipality, there's licensing in many states for inspectors. Uh, and, for example... Uh, Texas. Texas doesn't have a licensing requirement for inspectors, whereas like I was in Virginia, they're required to be licensed by the Department of Housing and Community Development. And one of their benchmarks is that you get an inspector certification. So the ICC puts out an inspector and certification. They have them for plumbing, mechanical, electrical. They have a building inspector uh, examination. All of that's done by ICC. And then there's another one called Promisur, which is another type of testing agency in order to get the credential in order to then turn it into your state and they let you practice as an electrical inspector. So it's just an exam for inspectors is what it is. Okay. I have had the license. I've, I have ICC uh, uh, certifications. I uh, had the, the, the CBO technical and I had the electrical plans examiner from ICC. I had the commercial inspector, residential inspector. Um, I had plumbing, electric, mechanical, <laughs> building, yeah, you remember I was in municipality for years as well. Electricity is my background, but my job required me to have all these other certifications, so I had to get them anyway. And again, I'm familiar with all of those as well as fire alarm. Uh, I taught fire alarm in FPA 72 for many years as well. So um, I just had that background in it, but you know what? 
It's a great, and our exams, our fast tracks and all those will help you pass any of those exams. Anything that has to do with the National Electrical Code is what these exams are based on anyway. They call them different names, but it is, it's all based on electrical code. Okay, so that's what these videos and things like that will help. Uh, Next, Danny says, uh, well, I can relate with him. I've only had my license for a year, and the company I worked for then didn't like to treat me with that respect. Yeah, you can feel it. You can relate it. So the good news is, Danny, is you know what to look for, and you know how to identify it, that type of thing. Okay? All right. So that's kind of those those kind of things. Uh, J-Rock, I don't know your name, but I will refer you as Master of the NEC. My name is Paul Abernathy. Uh, for those you know that don't know who I am yet, um, uh, it says, and if you're not subscribed, you need to subscribe. And if you subscribe, J-Rock, it'll pop up on the screen Let me know you subscribed. Please spread it around and subscribe. I never used to be big about subscriptions, but it seems to be a big thing these days. Um, it says, I really struggled through state testing and the video you posted about trigger words. Okay, yeah, the exam prep trigger words, how to identify keywords, uh, really helped me understand more. Excellent. I'm glad it could because there's, there's, there's a method to the madness for that type of thing. Um, i got to move on to another topic again, um, so I'm going to move on to the next thing. So the next thing we're going to talk about tonight is the CMECP program and what that's all about. Uh, and so the CMECP program is, and I'm going to kind of bring that up on screen. So this is a program that we talked about taking people to the next, the next level. Um, so I get a lot of questions about what the CMECP program is. I am the creator of it. It took over two and a half years to create the concept. Then we had to get the trademarks for the acronym CMECP. We had to create the uh, board of directors. I had to create the bylaws. We had to do all this stuff in order to, to create the exam, the proctor part, um, and all of the infrastructure in the process. Thank you, J-Rock. I told you. Thanks for subscribing. And... By doing this, this whole process, we created something that is very unique. Now, some people ask me, there's a difference between licensure and certification, okay? Now, the CMECP is a totally voluntary thing, no different than NFPA's uh, certified safety professional concept, okay? It is no different. The only true difference is on that one, it's much easier to get. You take an exam. Here, you not only have to take an exam, but it's multiple stages, and there's coursework that's required. So when you get a CMECP, you can take it as pride because you literally are a select group that had to go through the process. And it is a six-month process if you're a master electrician, and you have to be in order to go through the initial course. Now, we have an apprenticeship version, uh, which gives you a year but you have to be a master by the end of that year, and then you kick into the requirement to get your uh, CMECP. That means you then go straight into the 100-question uh, proctored exam, and then you go into the actual 5-on-1, and there's a time limit on that because you're already a master. So those are just going through the motions at that point. But really, there's a difference. So if you're on the fence and you're not a master, you're a journeyman, then you can take the apprentice when you get a whole year. But then once you do, but you have to become a master by the end of that year. And you're going to use our course to do that because the course that's in part of the CMECP program will help you pass your exams, any exam. Okay. All right. So that's the concept uh, behind that. Now, 
They're over on the it's it's the website is www.mymycmecp.com. And that's what gives you more information. And you can click on the link, see the button on there that says CMECP, click on that, and it will give you all the information about the program. So I wanted to talk a few things about people saying, what will it do for me? Maybe it's just Paul doing a money grab. I hear that from time to time. Well, look, if you look at the system, a program, you get the program and you get all of the benefits, the the, the ability to market the CMECP after your name. You get posted on the website. You get to utilize it for a job promotion, job advancement. And again, it's a voluntary program, but it tells your employer and it tells people that you're putting it on a resume or whether you put the logos on the side of your truck and your competitor doesn't have it, it's how you market it. So I'm all about marketing and how you market stuff. So I market to people, look, if you hire me as a CMECP, I know the code. I studied the code. I didn't just pass a test, okay, to get my license. I took my game to the next level. Now, you can agree with that, and you don't have to agree with that. Nobody's twisting your arm to be a part of the program. Nobody is. This is totally voluntary program. At some point, we're hoping that it's going to be a program that will get certain types of accreditation around the country, but we're not into that right now. We do know that the only people that can use a CMECP acronym behind their name are people that have been given the right to do that because of their lifetime history and verified through our board of directors, or they earn it. And I can tell you that you have, as a master, you have six months to achieve it. And it is not the easiest thing in the world. So when you're done, you will feel exhausted, but you will have accomplished something. And that's what I set out to create. So when people say, oh, this is just a Paul self-certifying aspect, I'm not going to argue. But it's backed by a corporation, not just Paul. It's backed by Electrical Code Academy Incorporated. And I would venture to say it's backed by the company that produces literally the best exam prep software program in the world. I will argue till I am blue in this face that there is no other exam prep program like our Fast Tracks, bar none. We take the backbone that's produced by Cengage and we enhance it to be our own. And also, guess who grades all of those competency reviews at the end of each unit? Yours truly. I grade every one of them and I give you feedback to make sure you're understanding and learning the National Electrical Code. Well, as part of the CMECP program, we're already going to take it for granted that you have the skills because you got to be a master. So other people say, well, you know, the CMECP doesn't test your skills. The reality is I'm not here to test your skills. You had to meet a certain number of hours to be a certain level of, of electrician, a master electrician or electrical contractor, for example, in a state like Ohio, which doesn't have masters. So the equivalent would be electrical contractor in a state that doesn't have a master's license, right? So... If you qualify, you already got the time in. I'm not here to question your time. What I'm here to do is to enhance your knowledge of the National Electrical Code. And that's what this program is designed to do. All right. And so we have a separate forum. We have a separate content, um, all these type of things. And I encourage you to go look at it. But if you're one of those guys that say, ah, it's Paul just wanting a money grab, go look at the cost on the program. And you'd be quite surprised. And let's do that. So here you see the apprenticeship. Here's the educational portal. Here's some other things that we give you in this program that's exclusive. Now, I'll go to the education. So here's the program right here, all right? And in order to get into it, you have to have the password. 
And for the life of me, I can't remember my password. But we have an educational program in here. I do have it. I got it written down. I could look it up, but I don't want to get focused on it. But in there, we have literally hundreds and hundreds of courses on business management, uh, all types of things, that uh, communication skills that are free to you. And many of them, you can even get certificates for it. Now, you pay for the certificate, but you don't need to because you still get the credits for taking it. That's only exclusively for the people that are in the CMECP program, right? So that's in there. Uh, let's see here. So we have the perks. So what's a CMECP perk? And easiest thing to do rather than because I don't want to let you in. Hold on here. I'll go down to if I can get down there. And here's the perk program. All right. So I'll scroll up a little bit. And here's the perk program. And let's, let me show you what this is real quick. And let's see if I, can, if I can make this work here real quick. Bear with me. And I'll let you see a little bit. Let's hold on here. Let's, let me do this. Hmm, I don't know that. I don't know if the audio is working on that. I probably should have checked that up front. Um, I don't know if somebody can tell me whether or not they heard the audio on that. But basically, the, the, the process is the perks, which will pay for everything. So people ask me, is there a cost to get in the program? Yes, and it's very minimal cost for what you get. But part of the program, you get access to these perks. And in these perks, anything you buy, for example, I buy movie tickets for my kids through this program. And I get local tickets to the movie theater for hardly nothing. And yet I get perks for it. And I get discounts that you can't get normally. Okay, Yeah, Danny, I guess the, the audio, I didn't have it synced into the audio coming out. And I, I apologize. Um, but so I'm going to explain it now. In that program, you're shopping for things that you would already buy. Trips you would already take. Anything that you would already do, you use through the portal. And the amount of savings that you get literally will offset and pay for your entire CMECP program purchase. It literally has worked, and many of them have done it before. As you see right here, as a member, you get discounts on computers, electronics, dining out. There's a lot of coupons when you're going out to restaurants in your area. Uh, there's all kinds of things that discount movie tickets and employee buying services and, and corporate cell phone rates and Look, there's so much stuff that you get in this program, but that's just one element that you get as a CMECP. What we're trying to do here, and this is what I'm trying to explain to people, is when I do this type of program, is what I'm literally trying to do, and let me take it back to the home, is I'm trying to create a course that literally pays for itself, okay? Trying to have a course that literally costs you nothing to be a part of. And that's what this is all about. And so we have so many opportunities here. If you use it, it will pay for itself. Okay? So that's included. I'm giving that in there as well. Okay? So not only do you have the educational portal, 
which, to be honest with you, has literally thousands of courses you can take to broaden your knowledge or get your employees. You can share them with your employees. Uh, that's in there. We're giving you that portal. Okay? Plus, we're giving you the ability to save on anything that you might buy already. That's in there as well. It's up to you to use it. I'm not going to twist your arm to use it, but that's in there. You also get access to a private forum where you can ask your questions and only other CMECPs can see it. All of that's part of this program. But that's not the core of this program. The core of this program is, do you want to be able to market yourself above the competition? Do you want to hold enough pride in yourself to say, look, once I get my license, do I stop? Do I stop at my education or do I keep pushing forward? That's up to you. I can't force you to do that, and this program is not forcing anybody to do that. This is if you want to get involved in it. Now, if you're a journeyman electrician and you're going to be, you want to practice to be a master, or you want to become a master, and you want to do it within the year, then maybe you get into this and you do the um, CMECP apprenticeship program. You do that. You get your master within a year, and then you speed it up. And you've already jumpstarted yourself in the CMECP. So not only are you getting your master's and you're using the same course and concept as you would with the fast tracks, you're getting all the benefits of it, but you automatically get a jumpstart into the actual CMECP program. So that is something to, to think about if that's what you want to do. Okay, so that's what the apprenticeship program again. And you're, a master can't get in the apprenticeship program. A master only has six months to complete it. A a journeyman who wants to join the apprenticeship program who's working to be a master or whatever the equivalent is in your state, that's different. You have a year to do that under that program, okay? And then you can skip right to the proctored exam, uh, and you can skip, once you do that, then you can skip also through the five-on-one interview. Now, don't freak out about the five-on-one interview. I have people that are freaking out about that, and guys get all nervous about that. The five-on-one is five peers in the industry who I have handpicked. I am not one of the five, okay? I have five. I mediate it, and they will ask you a question live on camera, and you have to answer it. Now, you answer it to the best of your ability to what they wanted you to answer it, not what the other four guys or girls say. You only have to please that one person that's asking you the question, and trust me, we do not allow the questions to be, whoa, there's my dog going crazy again. We do not do the questions in a way that it's trying to trick you or stump you. You've made it this far. You've learned the code. You've taken the 100-question exam. You've passed it. At that point, then, you know, at that point, you've already gotten to this stage. They're not there to trick you up, but they're there to test your knowledge. Now, here's the good news. Of the five, you only have to answer three of them of the five to their satisfaction. Now, I am the arbitrator. If you answered a question and the guy that you're answering it to, the, 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 the um, reviewer doesn't like that question, but I listen to it, I have the full rights to override because I might say, well, theoretically, they answered that question adequately. Uh, let's, you know, and, and that type of thing. And I have the ability to override. I do not override during the actual interview because you won't get your results during the interview. You'll get it after. In fact, the, the person that's doing the, the question to you is not going to say, now, a lot of times I've had the guys get excited and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, then you know you got it right. So, I mean, it's different things to, to think about with that. But that's the, there's no other process like it. So you can downplay the CMECP all the people want. 
You can say that it doesn't mean anything. I can tell you right now, I got two certificates over there on the wall that say we have trademarks for it. And if you go look it up online for those trademarks, you'll see that there are trademarks in the area of education and learning. That's the area that they're in. So we put a lot of thought into this program. We're not twisting anybody's arm. We're not certainly trying to make a killing on it. We're trying to help people take their game to the next level. Why? Because if I'm going to be a supervisor or I'm going to be a foreman or I'm going to be an owner, then I need a certain level of knowledge because you know what? I don't get paid to do things twice. I get paid to do that once accurately. And being a CMECP puts you in a a select group of individuals who understand the National Electrical Code, how to find it at at another level. Plus, you put yourself in a brotherhood or sisterhood of like-minded individuals that you can call on whenever you need that assistance, and we're going to do it. In fact, part of the program you become exclusively rights to a lot of the stuff that ECA produces, certain letters or interpretations that you can use and things like that. That's all part of being a CMECP if you want it as well. So that's kind of a nutshell, if you will, of the program. And I probably left something out. But again, it's a certification uh, of completion. And we will give you that certification when you're done. You will also get a, a some lapel pins that are exclusive to CMECPs. They look like the one up there at the top right of the screen. And that is exclusive to you. Uh, they Again, they are registered trademarks. And again, people ask me all the time, what's the difference between it and any other certification you get? They're all voluntary. Licensure is different. When you go to be a master electrician or a journeyman, that's a license. Certification, whether it's an ICC certification, the only reason you got that ICC certification is because probably the jurisdiction required it. Well, we're not working for a jurisdiction. So what does our CMECP do for you? One, it puts your name on a site. Two, it puts our name so that your your boss or whoever you're applying for a job can call in and we will verify your education. Okay? And it allows you to put it on a resume. It allows you to go to your boss and say, look, I got this. I am the go-to guy. I want to be the go-to guy. Look at what I put in. Look at the time I put in. It can, it can mean that. Um, it also can be something that you put on uh, patches on your shirt uh, or you put the logo. We'll supply you with the actual high-quality graphic if you want to get shirts made up for it, uh, on a hat, if you want to put it on the side of your vehicle, on your truck, on your business cards. You need a competitive edge. And one thing I can tell you is that unlike some other certifications where you simply sit for one exam, and you get it, here you already have a higher threshold of requirement because you've already got to be a master electrician. You already got to put that time in. Some of these other tests don't require you to be a master electrician. They don't even require you to have a certain amount of time in the trade with the hands. Our program does. So again, as it grows, we're assuming that we're going to be pushing it around the country to get other people to accept it and do other things like that. But we're not overly worried about it too much because right now it's all about the pride that you take, you take at going to the next level. And that's what this thing's all about. Okay. So do I have any questions on the CMECP program? I thought I had some. So I'll look back here and see if I've got a few. Uh, let's see here. Caleb asks, can an apprentice work on high voltage with, uh, with, the, with the matter, with the master electrical? Um, I'm not sure what you mean because an apprentice isn't a master electrician. So, uh, and you know what? Let me let me come back to me. I'm not sure I follow your question. 
but again, working on something that you're not comfortable with uh, is probably going to be uh, incompetence. Uh, you really shouldn't. Um, an apprentice doesn't know enough to, to work on that. Now, if you're in the utility industry, they have a different name for that, and they might be working with higher voltages. Uh, but most of the electricians that I know, they, they'd be just working with 600-volt systems or 1,000 and less, uh, and very limited over 1,000. Um, but there are really some good unionized uh, associations that have what they would call apprentices that are doing some higher voltage applications, but they're generally under supervision and they do a lot of site training. So again, that's a, that's a pretty formalized training that they go through. Uh, Danny, yes, I'm definitely going to join the apprenticeship program. I want to follow your advice and take the CMEC apprenticeship program and get my master's and then, and then get the CMECP. You're already halfway there. When you get the take the apprenticeship program and once you get your master's within that year, all you're down to at that point is one proctored exam and one, one uh, five-on-one interview. That's it. Um, the, 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 the Caleb from earlier. Can an apprentice work on high voltage power lines in a bucket truck if they're both in the same bucket? If the, if they're both in the same bucket together, again, Caleb, I am high voltage is typically not what the normal electrician would work in. I would say whether or not there's absolutely in most states there is nothing that's going to say that the apprentice can't do it. But the problem is the company's liability is is that apprentice knowledgeable enough, skilled enough. And are they doing it under the guidance of a master electrician or somebody that's there training them? There's no way you're not going to learn if you don't at least put your hands on something. So in that experience right there, I don't know nothing uh, that would say otherwise. But some states might have a voltage threshold. I don't know. Texas does not. So, um, again, if you're, if you're a, a master electrician or whatever, you can pretty much do a, a wide array of things. But when it comes to the apprentice, you know, as far as electrical... They're typically not going to deal with what I'd call high voltage, okay? Um, and, and high voltage is, is really getting over even medium voltage, which is 2,500 volts all the way up to 35,000. Uh, you're talking high. That's, that's over that. Um, I, don't know, I don't know that I'd want apprentices working on that. I really don't know how to answer that question, Caleb. I apologize. You need to check with your local state and see what their rules are and then the bylaws for what electricians can do and what they can't do. Uh, one thing that is a trade is you can never stop learning. Absolutely. One master electrician I was working with told me that the NEC is just the beginning. The AHJ have different codes and statuses, uh, statutes, and power company. Okay. So let's, let's understand a few things. The AHJs can have local amendments that amend the NEC. If an AHJ, authority having jurisdiction, let's remember, the inspector is not the AHJ. The building official is the AHJ. The inspector is acting as a deputy for the AHJ under their authority. And so they have the authority to act as an authority having jurisdiction. Okay? But it's really authority. Um, And so in that concept, um, there are local amendments. For example, Texas. So let's just see because I'm familiar because I serve on that committee. So you have the General National Electrical Code. When Texas adopts the 2020 here at the, in, in, in a couple months or whatnot, or in, you know September, I think, by then we're going to generate what we call recommendations, and it's the North Texas Electrical Advisory Committee. 
Now, we might advise some things, and I've worked hard to get rid of all of those amendments because I don't believe in amendments. Now, I understand in some states you can have amendments because of the it's different, and the code can't cover everything, so they've got some amendments. I get it. But when people try to amend things like take out GFCIs or take out AFCIs or whatever, then they have no real reason except for their own personal belief, then that's screwed up. So I don't like amendments as a whole. And if an inspector is making you do something that, that is not to the code, or they tell you to do something, then they can be acting on what's called misfeasance or malfeasance. All right? means that they're making you do something that they know is blatantly wrong, or they're making you do something that they, they, they don't know about, but they're still making you do it, so they're, they're doing something that's improper. Uh, so we have to think of that, and they can become liable, even though people think that the inspectors have total immunity. They don't have a lot of immunity when they do something like that in misfeasance, malfeasance applications. Okay? Um, so... At the end of the day, yes, there are other rules. For example, power company. In Virginia, we call it the blue book. Yeah, the blue book might have some rules that you have to follow and be aware of, but they're not the NEC, which is the basic rules. But the NEC is not an installation manual. It's slowly becoming one, but it's not. All right, so you just have to follow, follow the rules, and, and, and you will learn the different. Now, we talk about other standards, okay? Um, yeah, it is, it is the starting point, but remember... Once you get your license, that really is, is the gateway to learning because an apprentice or a helper learns enough to pass the journeyman. Now, they don't know the, the same as a guy that's been a journeyman for 30 years, but they know enough. They're, 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 they're minimally competent to hold that license. Then the learning becomes, because you get to now freely do things with your hands, that the state is okay with, and you start to learn. You're learning all the principles as an apprentice or helper, the right from wrong, current flow, all these things that are important. Now you're moving to the next stage. So the licenses are simply a bar you have to cross. They don't take the place for the hands-on, okay? And they're not meant to. I've had people say snarky stuff like, yeah, the guy teaches code because he can't do it with his hands anymore. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Everybody has to know code to get from point A to point B. You still had to do it with your hands, and we all got it the same way. We all had to put in the same type of hours to get where we're at. Nobody's given us a license, okay? We earned it. Just because we understand the importance of the National Electrical Code shouldn't be demeaning in any way. And so once you get that journeyman's, now you're starting to study, and you start picking up some of that other knowledge, and then you're ready to be a master. Then you, once you become a master, remember something. You are... The minimally, minimally competent master electrician. You don't have any knowledge yet of a master. You're minimally competent because you passed the gateway exam. Once you move up into the master, then you start to learn. And then you will learn there's other standards, there's other codes. And you know what? As a journeyman, your master should be teaching you these things. Remember that leadership and follower, cultivating leaders? All that stuff is important, and I think in our trade, people forget that. And I watch the videos of people on job sites, journeymans and, 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 and apprentices, acting like a jackass, and I wonder, I'm like, you would not do that on my site. No, I'm not a stick in the mud, but I take too much pride in this job. And you got to have fun, but it's a job, and you want to take it serious. Okay, enough of that. What other question do we have? Um, yes, you still have to keep learning. Uh, let's see here. Which of, which of your courses can be used as CE 
hours towards a journeyman card in California? Absolutely none of them. None of my courses are pre-licensing courses. None of them. Because most of the courses require hands-on hours in conjunction with courses. None of mine. All of mine are to teach and enhance your knowledge of the code. That's what they're trying to do. Now, I do have a residential. I do have a commercial. I do have an industrial course. I have a motor control course. I have a grounding and bonding course. Those are designed for people who are transitioning. Like if you're a residential guy and you want to learn commercial, that is the book to help you transition up to speed, get you up to speed quickly. That's what those kind of books are. Now, they do teach code in them, I should say, so you'll learn a lot of things about code. If you're a residential guy and you have an interesting commercial, we will teach you the code stuff while we're teaching you the common general practices in commercial. All of those are available, and I encourage you all to go look at them because those courses are awesome as well. Uh, in fact, the residential one is massive. Massive. Okay? so But we have them all. But no, they are not designed yet. We haven't reached out to do that. That's a lot of paperwork, and I'm going to be honest with you. We don't have the budget to pay for that kind of requirements to get those things reviewed on, in all these states, okay? And I can tell you California would be the last one. Not that I don't, I'm, I'm not that I'm anti-California, but I'm just saying that'd be the last one. No disrespect, but it'd be the last one I go after. Uh, and of course, they have Title 24. That's another standard that you have to learn if you're going to work in California. So yes, you have to keep learning. Uh, and that's what working on the job means, to keep learning. Okay, um, but no, none of them count towards CEUs. Now, we do have continuing education credits on our website through partnerships. So if you go to our website and click courses and you highlight over it, you'll see at the bottom, it'll see CEU credits and you can get your license. And I encourage you to do that because that helps us because we don't get all that money. We get 50-50 split on that from our partner. But every little bit helps so that we can continue to produce things like these stickers and give them away. And other things. I've got some other giveaways that we're going to be coming up with in the next couple months that I want to give away. So we want to make sure that you you get all those things. Um, let's see here. What else do we got here? Uh, Oliver, do you have to go to Texas to partake in your programs? Absolutely not, uh, uh, Troy. Um, all of them are online. MasterTheNEC.com. They're all available online. MasterTheNEC.com. Dot com and you can get anything you want. And again, now, uh, Danny, we do have CEU credits. You just have to go and look. I don't know all the states we have because, again, it's a partnership. But simply go to our website over the courses. Go down and click on CEU credits. Go to that site. You'll have three boxes you fill out. And you put in there your state, what course you're looking for, and blah, blah. And it'll tell you whether or not you have... Uh, CE, whether we give CEU credits for that. I don't know them all right off the top of my head. Now, I give CEU credits when I do physical courses in over 30 states. But your company would have to bring me there and I'd do a private course because some of the stuff I do are closed doors for companies. Uh, like I'm doing one in Ohio uh, in next month or two months or a month, maybe next month. Uh, and that one is open. If you're in Ohio, you can go to it. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it is in Ohio because I don't check the schedule. Uh, Brittany handles that for me. But I'm going to be doing a class there that it is open, and you can come get CEU credits in Ohio for that one. But other than that, usually mines are, are closed. Okay, they're they're private courses. Uh, but our courses online, the regular courses, they are this there to expand your knowledge. That's all. You will get a certificate of completion when you finish, and maybe your state will accept it. You can submit it and see. But we didn't formally seek for any of that. 
Now, now if you're an engineer, our courses will give you credit because you can self-certify. It means you can turn in your PDUs. So if you go through the course and we see that you completed it, we'll send your certificate and you can turn it in uh, in that as well. So if you're an engineer, it's, they're pretty loose about that for engineers. Less about electricians. They have to be pre-approved courses. Maybe in the future we'll seek that out, but right now it's just it's not in the cards. We don't have enough manpower to do that at this point. Um, PSI says the passing rate for the electrical exam in uh, Texas is 37%. It's very low in Texas. So if you pass it in Texas, congratulations. It went from a one-part test to a two-part test. I was part of the reason that changed. Uh, and I can tell you right now the reason we did that is because we wanted to – a lot of these exams, if you have calculations on the same exam as the knowledge portion – you could literally go through the course and follow my three-wave concept, and that's in one of my other videos about passing exams. Then you could literally skip the calculations until the end, and guess what? You could not do any of the calculations, and you could still pass. So in Texas, you can't do that anymore because it's two parts. So we're going to make we're going to test your knowledge, and then we're going to test your actually ability to do calculations. Okay, and and there's other states that are like that as well. It's two-part tests, um, that type of thing. Uh, let's see. What do you? What do I charge my local union? May uh, maybe I can see if they will will pay you to come to Oklahoma City. I actually I've done courses up in Oklahoma City. Um, Danny, I'll email me offline and I'll tell you. I don't like to to talk about those kind of services on these kind of shows. Um, let's say I'm not the cheapest in the world, but I'm not the most expensive. Uh, but, but generally, uh, if depending on the amount of hours that the state requires, and I think for, for Oklahoma, uh, I think it is six, seven hours. I can't remember. Uh, but for a day, uh, my fee is travel expenses. And it's usually, don't hold me to this, but it's usually $1,250 a day. That's what I charge for those. Uh, and you have me for the day. And there's a half-day charge, too, if you only have a half-day course. But that's generally a full-day course. Pretty reasonable. Uh, now, when I do expert witness stuff, that's a lot different. Uh, that that's gets into the thousands of dollars if you uh, need me for a, a legal case or something like that. Um, also, I do courses up there. I was just up in Oklahoma, and I did one in Dell City, which electricians all came to it. And I do one of those every year. So you might want to get with me. I'm going to do that next year, Okay. And I do it. Now, as far as the size, it does not matter. I don't care about the number of people. I've taught classes that have had 10,000 people in it and classes that have had five people in it. My fee is my fee, so it doesn't matter. If you want to pack the room and you want to charge for it, I don't care. But we do have one every year in Dell City, so get with me, Danny. I'll put you on that list and let you know. But I have it down there, and it's for uh, electricians to come to, and I do it every year for them. I've been doing that since I worked for NEMA. Okay, so again, so again, any other questions? I stuttered there, didn't I? I said again and again. Um, anybody have any questions? We'll get to the, we're going to kind of wrap this up. I don't want to take it too long, y'all's time tonight. I'm appreciative of your time. Um, and I thought we covered some good topics today. If you have any questions on the CMECP program, any questions, I don't care what they are. If, you have, if you're a Debbie Downer and you want to ask me a question and you want to challenge me with it, email me. Email us. I am, if you're not sold on the system, I'm not here to sell you on the system, but I can tell you, go look at ICC, go look at NFPA certifications, go look at any other certification and see if it actually matches up to with the CMECP. Now, whether or not it is accepted in certain locations, I, you know what, I haven't had 30 years 
of pushing that program to do that. It's only a couple of years old. We had to put the backbone in place. We had to have the program. We had to have the proctoring in place, the recording system in place. Um, we had to have the, 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 the board of directors in place to do that. We had to have the, the uh, candidate review board people in place. Uh, and, you know, it's not the easiest program to make it through. I'm not going to lie to you. But you're in a select group if you do. So, again, how you want to market it, how you want to use it, that's the big thing. You can stand out of the crowd if you know how to market it right, if you know how to use it. That's a big difference, okay? We're all about marketing. Uh, Caleb, once you get a journeyman, is it valid nationally? Absolutely not. Very state-specific. So if you get your journeyman license now, it might have reciprocity in another state, and there's websites that you can go to to check for reciprocity, uh, as well as we've had those in previous videos, and I have that on one of my podcasts that talks about reciprocity. Um, you might be able to get that, uh, and so you might go to a state and they might accept it as long as the state that you got your journeyman in has the same equivalent requirements for hours and testing and all that. Then as long as they have what's called a mutual agreement, then they might accept it at another state. But just because you get one doesn't mean it's going to be guaranteed nationally. Now, people are pushing the movement to get what's called national certification, and I wish they would because, to be honest with you, I think the electrons flow the same way. I think the code is the code. I don't know why my master's license in Virginia shouldn't be good in Texas, shouldn't be good in another state. If all they want is the money, I'll pay you the money. But observe my license. But again, that's just me. Um, other people may disagree. You know, that type of thing. Um, Texas, very few states it reciprocates with. Virginia, few states. Uh, so those type of things. North Carolina, few states. But you got to go look at it. And there's websites that, that actually talk about that and reciprocity. And we have a, a video or a podcast on that very subject. And I actually give you links in the bottom to those sites that I recommend. Okay? One of them is ncCER.org. You can go there. Uh, they'll tell you the, require, uh, the, the um, uh, reciprocities around the country. Uh, and then the other one is... I always do this and I can never remember what it is. Electrical, I, I can't even remember what it is. I'm sorry. I'm having a brain fart tonight. But it's, we have a video for that, uh, and uh, that'll tell you where you go, and that'll tell you the licensing requirements per state. Or, to be honest with you, you could probably Google it and put electrical uh, licensing per state, and I'm sure this one will come up. Okay? Any other questions? I don't have any questions. Um, if anybody wants to call in, I didn't open the lines earlier. Feel free to call in. The number's at the top of the screen, or you can use Skype. Call in if you just want to chat with me. You have any topic you want to chime in and you want other people to hear your opinion, feel free to call in. Um, but, uh, you know, good show tonight. Uh, let me know how the feeds went, how the stream went, whether it was flowing okay. It's important to me to make sure because I've made a lot of tweaks to the system, uh, and we've got a lot of things coming. I'm excited. Um, we have a lot of neat topics. I think next week we talk about all the things for business owners and tips. And I'm going to give you all my tips about whether or not you should look at doing warranty services, whether or not you should look at doing um, things like Angie's List or, or all those different things. Um, then, you know, we're going to talk about management. We're going to talk about bookkeeping. We're going to talk about estimating. We're going to just talk all those things. And I'm hoping 
that you'll call in for that show. Give us your experience. If you've owned a business for a year and, and you've had some struggles, share your struggles with us. Help the people out there that's listening. Okay? That's what we want. So hopefully you get something out of that. So um, is there a worldwide NEC? Absolutely not. In Europe, it's the IEC. In the United States and used in Canada, we use the National Electrical Code. In the U.S., in Canada, it's the Canadian Electrical Code. In Mexico, they have kind of an agreement to work and use their version with the amendments to the National Electrical Code. And it's used in different countries. Uh, but, again, in Europe, they use the IEC, and, and, and their rules are a little different. They call grounding over there. They get earthing. Over here, we got grounding. But all those things are a little different, Okay. Uh, Danny says, what about replacing two-pronged receptacles with grounded or GFCI receptacles? All right, so that, Danny, is in 406, and it talks about the ability that if I have a two-prong, I have some allowances here. If I'm going to replace it, then I can replace it with a two-prong back the way it was. I put the same thing back in it. However, and we're assuming here that we don't have an equipment ground, is, is the premise of your question. So then the code says, well, you know what? I will let you use a GFCI receptacle. And if I put that in at the front one, then all the ones downstream can be upgraded from a two-prong to a three-prong without an equipment ground being there. It's GFCI protected. It's not as good as having an entire uh, grounding electro system, uh, equipment grounding conductors, but it's going to work. It's going to be fine. We see that in bathrooms all the time when there's no ground equipment ground present. So it allows you to do that. So that's an option, Okay. Um, and so you, you do have some abilities. You can't take a two-prong and then upgrade it to a three-prong unless you put GFCI on it in that application. Or you're going to have to get an equipment ground to that circuit. Okay, So you have a bunch of different options for that. Okay, so uh, And we might do an episode on that uh, at some point. To explain, you know, well, maybe we'll go into a little more detail, Danny. So send me an email about that. Oh, that's it. That's what I wanted to say to everybody. You do have topics like this. Don't wait until the show. Because I can put together some presentations for it. Get it to me early. Send me an email. Let me know some items you want to talk about on the show. And I can put together something and we'll put it into the show. Help everybody out. Okay? That type of thing. Uh, Let's see. What else we have? I know you have to label them as no equipment ground. So, yeah. So, if you're going to use a GFCI... So it should be, you know, what you're doing, it is, it has to have a label that says GFCI protected and no equipment ground. And the labels usually will come in the GFCI packs, okay, if you will, that type of thing. The question is, is it okay to do a whole house? Um, I get a question a lot from time to time. People ask me, can I put GFCI on everything? Well, first of all, you'll need to put it at the first receptacle because then everything downstream is protected. But... Can I GFCI everything in a house, uh, 120 volt, 15 to 20 amps, for example? And, of course, in the 2020 code, we've changed that now, and we've expanded that, okay? Um, so 15 and 20 now is not even just the threshold. 210.8A for dwelling units is expanded it out and got rid of the 15 to 20 amp aspect of it. It's still required for those, but it changed the threshold on it. Um, I could do it on any of them if I want. That would be an elective I can always go above the code as long as I don't get to that threshold where I make something unsafe. You get me? I could make something unsafe if I go too far. So you got to know your limitations. But putting GFCIs in, uh, 
perfectly fine. Now, a lot of people ask me on a circuit, do I have to have multiple GFCIs? Absolutely not. It's, it's overkill, and you could create a problem where one trips, and then you can't find where to reset it application, and home inspectors have a nightmare with that. If you're going to do GFCIs, uh, put one in at the very first one you come to or put the breaker in the panel and that'll protect everything downstream if that's what you're going to do. Uh, Cadillac, AFCI, GFCI breakers can work, I think. Wouldn't it cover a whole house? Um, well, when you say whole house, just an AFCI and GFCI breaker is only going to cover that circuit, right? Just that circuit. And I can put AFCI in. And I could, you know, both the technologies work simultaneously, so they'll both work together. Um, but an AFCI, GFCI breaker is called a, called a dual function because it does AFCI and GFCI uh, application. So it's kind of a, a dual function. Uh, a combination AFCI is really has nothing to do with GFCI. Some breakers might have GFP in it, but reality is AFCI uh, is looking for both series and parallel arcs. Okay, and it's working because GFCI is totally different. It's looking for an imbalance, uh, another path of current that didn't go through the uh, pteroid coil. Uh, I guess that's how you say it. And so it picks up a magnetic field and it causes the GFCI to unlatch. Okay, leakage current, for example. So anyway, that's the kind of concept there, but they work. Uh, other people have asked me, why don't we just come up with a main breaker that does the entire house because everything keeps expanding with GFCIs, everything keeps expanding with AFCIs. Well, one problem with that, and somebody I think has come out with the one where it has a main control and then the, you have what's called smart breakers. Well, imagine all the people that are griping about the cost of an AFCI. Imagine what it's going to cost to get a panel that does this, a smart panel, and the breakers that have to interact with that. Right now, the individual AFCIs and GFCIs, now with most of the manufacturers, are also what we call diagnostic tools. So it can look for certain characteristics and tell you whether it's an arc fault. Uh, it can tell you all this type of things on it. And so it's actively looking for an application. And that's really a diagnostic tool. Okay. Now, are they perfect? Absolutely not. Don't get me into that concept where we argue about AFCIs. I personally think they work. I personally put them in my home as soon as I moved to Texas and my house didn't have them. Um, but, and I didn't give them to me. Nobody gave them to me. I never get anything from the manufacturers. Trust me. They ain't giving me nothing. So at the end of the day, I believe in them because I was involved in some of that, and I know that they work. They're not perfect, but I know that they work. Uh, let's see here, Danny. Well, I mean, if you were trying to upgrade the dwelling, could you do each circuit with one GFCI and change the rest of the duplexes? Yes. Yeah, you could do that. If you're doing the first one in the circuit and it protects all downstream, and you wanted to go from a two-prong and you're upgrading them, that's the concept you can do that. It does allow you to do that. And many people do that. They want to have the three-prong. But you've got to have the labels because we don't want to give somebody the false impression that there's an equipment ground there. It's a safety thing. We don't get the benefit sometimes of that ground in what it's doing, but we get the benefit of the GFCI, of the imbalance of the return current that might be going on another path. So it's a safety-driven. So we'll let you do that. So the code does allow those applications to be able to do that. Uh, just be careful. If you start replacing receptacles you're in certain areas that are required by the current code to be AFCI as well, then you're going to also have to upgrade them to AFCI in some areas too. 
So if that's the case, you might end up with putting an AFCI-GFCI breaker, or you might have to put an AFCI and a GFCI device because they do make those as well. So just be careful in how you deal with that because, yeah, you could trigger something in 406 uh, with that replacement. But there's nothing wrong with doing what you want to do, Danny, uh, if that's the case to do that. All right, guys, I think, uh, you know, for, for, for the fact that I'm, I don't want to belittle it enough and I know your time's important, I appreciate y'all. Thanks to whoever donated uh, to, the, to help pay for these stickers. Uh, for those that followed along, how do you get these stickers? You just send me an email that says, yo, Paul, I want my sticker. Make sure you put your name in there and your address and let us know which sticker you want. The base one that you're going to get is the podcast. And then you got a choice of one of these other ones here. That would be the electrician, which is a generic one, the uh, master electrician, if you are a master, the journeyman, if you're a journeyman, the, I love this one, electrical wizardry, and this is the Electrical Brotherhood Code Mafia, choice of those, you're going to get the podcast one, if you've already sent one in, don't send it in again, because I got a list and you ain't going to get it again, you got to wait, I'll tell you when that's clear, because I'm, you know, if you just want more uh, after you get them, then we'll, we'll do something after that to get you some more. But we want to make sure everybody can get them in this first batch that I'm giving away. If you want a more high-quality sticker, that, like this one, the big one, then go over to our website, electricianlive.com, and click on the store button, and you can order. But you can also order shirts. You can also order mugs. You can also order phone cases. We have all kinds of shirts. We have all, all these logos are available on shirts. And I'm going to tell you what, the Code Mafia is an awesome-looking shirt. All right. Lately, people have been ordering the mugs, coffee mugs. You know, so anyway, we have all that stuff available. Again, I'm not trying to be overly cramming down your throat, but all of those things help support everything that we do, and I appreciate it, it all the support you give us. Uh, and uh, hopefully you stick with us and join us next week when we'll have another great show. Thank you all for coming. And, uh, and I think I gave my thoughts on that, Danny, so I'm going to leave it there. If we need to go offline and talk about it, we'll do it. But I think I gave you my thoughts on that. It's perfectly okay. I don't have any problem with it. Um, lastly, I did have somebody ask me today. So I'll end on this because you're asking my opinion of things. Somebody asked me, Paul, what do you think about those new connectors that are put out by Southwire called SimPush that you put on a raceway? They push right on it. Or what do I think about the, the, the Wagyu splices? And here's my thing. You ready? If they've been evaluated and they've been listed, I'm okay with them. You can have an opinion, but I'm okay with them. Uh, People ask me about backstabbing, a receptacle. The receptacle is evaluated. If you backstab it right, and here's what people don't do. They don't follow the wire guide, okay? They don't put it in right. They don't make sure it's all the way in. They don't check it. Because sometimes they can put it in. And some people pull them out, put them in, pull them out, and stress it out. If you strip it right, you put it in, it ain't going anywhere. Now, has people had problems with them? Absolutely. But remember, people have problems with the screws, too. They don't torque it right, or they don't curl the screw right, and they do it improperly, and we get an arc there, and things melt down, too. I've seen it all. I have seen it all. Okay? Trust me, if there was a big problem with the, the, the Wagyu or Wago, whatever they are, I never used them, but, but I don't have a problem with them. If they're evaluated and they're listed, I have no problem with them. I'm not going to get into that camp where we go bash, bash, bash. I don't have a problem with them. I really don't. So then the next thing that people ask me is, 
What problem do I have? Again, with those push on connect, I have no problem at all. I have no problem with backstabbing receptacles at all. If the receptacle is listed for it, and it's it, then it's been evaluated, they evaluate it, and it's okay. So just be sure you're using the right conductors, and those backstabs they're going to be solid, not stranded. Duh, right? That would be one of these. Whoop! Wrong button. That would be one of those. That kind of moments. All right, so just know what you're doing, and it's not a big deal, okay? If the product is listed, it's listed. What's wrong with it? Use it. All right, that's it, guys. Uh, Danny, I requested a sticker, but I realized later I didn't give my address. Just send another one. I've got everything, Danny. I, I probably have it, and I haven't written it down. If you get the email, I've got a long list of everybody here, and... Send me another email requesting your sticker and tell me what you want. Uh, I've got other ones that have come in that I haven't put into the list yet. We just got them all in, so they'll be going out to you as well. So if you want the real high-quality ones, these are, these are okay. These are our giveaways, and they're great. Um, and I want to show some on the hard hats and things. But if you want the real high-quality ones, the big ones, you got to go get them from the website. I can't give those things away. They cost too much. They're not expensive, $7.99, I think, but they're really, really high-quality. Okay? Anyway, that's all we're going to talk about tonight, folks. Thank you all. Uh, God bless to you all, and appreciate you coming here and taking the time out of your day to chat with me. Uh, I do. I appreciate every one of you. Hopefully, you learned something from our courses. Hopefully, if you're studying for your exam that and somebody asks you what you use, think about our Fast Tracks program. It is literally, I promise you, go watch our demo. Uh, also, one other thing that we're doing, I'm giving free demos 30-minute demos that you can sign up for on our website. And I will log in with you using our one-on-one conferencing software that we have here, the same one that we do proctoring exams with. And I will walk you through all of the features and let you see everything, all of the exams and how it interacts. If you're on that fence and you want to know, is it the best exam prep? I can promise you, you can buy books. You can buy other snap whatever exam prep with questions. You're not going to find one that's not only have online questions, over a thousand questions, competency review that I grade. The book is on there. It reads it to you. You can print out anything. Even when you get to calculations, you can print out the forms. And these forms you can keep forever, print them over and over again, that will literally walk you through a calculation. So if you're in business and you never have to guess at a service again, because these forms walk you through it, it's, just, it's amazing. And it's all part of the Fast Track program. If you want to learn residential work to the core, we have a residential you want to learn commercial we have a commercial program all the things you need to know about commercial okay all the little slangs and nuances that's got like 30 units in it um the industrial if you're commercial and you don't know industrial we got that you want to know motor controls we got that we want grounding and bonding which is one of my popular courses we got that i helped write most of those books as a co-author so anyway enough of the commercials i appreciate you all i'm gonna let you go um please Share about these podcasts and these videos. Share them to people. If you're on a job site, play the audio version, or we have a lot of other audio podcasts out there on our website. Just go to and listen to them. We're on Spotify. Just search for Master the NEC on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, Stitcher, whatever you want. We're going to be there. Listen to them on the job site. Let your guys listen to it. Share them with everybody. Tell others people about them. And really, we're not a kind of, this is, this is unique video in podcast series. We're here to teach you things and learn. We're not here to just talk crap, okay? I appreciate every one of you folks. Till next time, appreciate you all. Stay safe.
God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 